welcome to C3 Wellington and Hut City. Need something fresh, real and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get podcast notifications, updates on events, collective groups and a whole lot more. We're so glad you're joining us for a powerful and thought-provoking message from one of our pastors. We would love to hear how God has touched you in your life. Get in touch through our website, c3churchwellington.nz. So, sit back and enjoy this message. Tonight we are starting a new series called Above All. And I'm so excited for this series when uh, when I was working through what we wanted to cover off this year, what God was laying on our heart as far as as far as topics, as far as series that He wanted uh, us to tackle. I really felt a sense that God wanted us to tackle relationships. And we've just moved out of uh, that series. If you missed it, the last two are on podcast. A little bit of a plug there for podcasts. We're out there in the, in the interwebs on podcasts. Hey, but, and we're not done with the relationship series because we're still gonna do a Q&A, a live stream Q&A. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to ask anonymously any question regarding relationships we're going to try and answer them all Bex and myself on a live stream we can tune into that'll be a bit of fun won't it so uh, well that's still coming but tonight we are so excuse me back to the start of the year but one thing God I really felt God wanted us to tackle was the subject or the topic of holiness holiness and so uh, you know there's always a cult there's a, there's, there's a culture pervading culture that uh, that sometimes swims cross current or moves cross current to the kingdom of God, to the culture of God. And sometimes as Christians, we can find ourselves kind of getting blurred between what is what is kingdom culture, what is the call of the, the upward call of the Christian life, and what is the world's culture that we get so immersed in and pulled into. You know, the Bible says that we're to be in the world, not of the world, but we are definitely in the world. Like we feel the pull of, of, of all of the things that the world pulls us into. And some of that is awesome and some of that is challenging. And so today and tonight, the message number one from above all is called The Pursuit. The Pursuit. And our key scripture for the whole series is this. It's Psalm 27 verse 4 and it says this if you got your word with you Psalm 27 verse 4 but we'll have it on the screen technology is awesome here we go here's the one thing I crave from God the one thing I seek above all else and that, we just pause there for a second this is the psalmist this is David and he's making a statement here. He's about to unleash and tell you what is, tell us, let us into his heart, let you know the very thing that he's craving and seeking above all other things. And maybe we could just take a moment right now and ask ourselves that question. What is the one thing? It says that he, that he craves from God. What's the one thing you crave from God? If you could ask for anything right now from God, what, what would be the thing that you'd want above all other things? challenging thing, isn't it? Let's remove the from God for a second. What's the one thing that I crave? You see, every life is in pursuit of something. Every life is on a trajectory in a pursuit of something. Every one of us has vision and has direction. Every one of us, our life is on a trajectory somewhere. What is the one thing that you seek above all? David goes on to answer. He says, I want the privilege of living with Him, with God, every moment in His house, finding the sweet loveliness of His face, filled with awe, delighting in His glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to Him 
that He takes pleasure in my every prayer, in my every word, in my every conversation. Wow, what a cry of the heart. And I feel like that David's words are echoing from whenever this was BC, right to 2018, to you and I, and He's asking us and He's challenging us, what is the one thing that you're seeking above all other things? And so when I say that there's a cross current across the trajectory of a Christian life, I believe this is one of the cross currents and it's this, it's the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of happiness. And the pursuit of happiness, uh, actually the Greek philosopher Aristotle, going back to antiquity, way back in the day, he said this, he said, happiness is the meaning and purpose of life, the whole aim and end of human existence is happiness. You only have to scroll through social media, watch commercials on TV, read a magazine to see that everything, everything is, is driven towards you deserve it to be happy. This is what you need to be happy. You only have to look to see what version of the iPhone you have to know that if you're carrying an iPhone 5 people, you ain't happy. Come on, you need the 6, 7, 8, what are we up to, 10? I can't keep count. But the marketing strategy for the same phone that has the same features, maybe a, a this much bigger screen and slightly more megapixels is it's going to make you happy if you have the latest iPhone. <laughs> and we buy into it. I buy into it. You buy into it. It's, it's, the, it's the ploy, it's the plot of culture, the pursuit of happiness. And so much of our global culture flows out of America, doesn't it? I mean, we are, we, even down here in the land uh, of the long white cloud in Aotearoa, we, we're quite a way removed from America, but yet pop culture, American culture infiltrates our culture in the movies and the music and in so many different arenas of life. And look, the philosophy of the pursuit of happiness is a foundational value of America. It is. It is known as the American dream. The American dream is rooted in the Declaration of Independence, their constitution. And it says this, it proclaims this, that all men are created equal, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the creed in which America was founded. And there's some beautiful things in that. Come on, that everyone is created equal. It doesn't matter your station in life, you get a shot at a great life. Come on, I love that. But let me tell you something, that the pursuit of happiness is not the pursuit that we should have. The pursuit of happiness is not the pursuit that we should have, rather that we should have the pursuit of God. See, before America was formed, some guys got together and, 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 and wrote this statement of faith and it's called the Westminster Catechism. And that's in 1647. And the first question that they asked and answered was this. What is the chief end of man? Let me say it another way. What is the main purpose of life? What is the purpose of life? And they answered it by saying this. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The theologian John Piper says it this way. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. 
he goes on to say, abundant joy and total commitment to the glory of God had to go together in some way. Those things, he said, cannot be fighting one another. The, the, the exaltation and glory of God and our absolute joy must be connected, must be connected. And so he went on a study of this. And one of the things that he came across that really resonated with John Piper and it resonates with us, I hope with us tonight, he found the writings of C.S. Lewis. Any C.S. Lewis fans in the house? What an, a great author. Uh, his, convert, his, his, his coming to Christianity and coming to Jesus is a great story. And I, I just encourage you to go look it up. He calls himself the most reluctant Christian. That basically God just, like he couldn't argue the point anymore. He wanted to prove that God didn't exist. And in the proving, he became a Christian. It's a great, it's a great, uh, great testimony. Look it up. But anyway, C.S. Lewis made his amazing statement that our problem as human beings is not that our desires are too strong, but that our desires are too weak. Lewis says, your desires aren't the problem. The weakness of your desires are the problem. You are, you are like a child fooling about in the slums with your mud pies because you can't imagine what a holiday at the sea is like. <laughs> in other words, your desires for the great things of God is offering, so I'll say that again, your desires for the great things that God is offering you are way too small. Your problem is not big desires, but small desires for big things. Man, can you, can you just imagine what has been purchased for us at the cross? What has been purchased for us? And I wonder to myself on that day, that great day when I get to stand face to face with Jesus, I wonder, just wonder if there'll be room for regret. Like I don't know what emotions and feelings you have. Like you leave this earthly body. I don't know if you can even sense regret. I don't know. I'm, we'll find out, right? But I wonder how much of the palm head I'm going to do to myself when I realise just what was purchased for me and I didn't have to wait to eternity to appreciate a fallen relationship with the lover of my soul but I can have it right now I can have it right now see it requires some things of me and see so what we do is we can seek our happiness in the earthly things trying to find fulfilment that was never ever meant to be satisfied here but only in a relationship with our Creator, Piper goes on to say, this truth, God is most glorified in us, or Christ is most magnified in us, when we are most satisfied in Him is not peripheral. This is not peripheral to the Christian life. This is right at the heart of what it means to be a believer, what it means to belong to Jesus Christ, what it means to treasure and trust Jesus. This is not icing on the cake of Christianity. This is the heart of Christianity, the very heart. You are made and created for closeness, intimacy with your Creator. And that that, that, that relationship would satisfy you beyond anything, that that would look like steak and everything this world would have to offer would look like crackers. That is the way it is created to be. That is the way it is wired, that we have a feast in Him, yet we turn to other things to satisfy us, don't we? We do, hey? So let me talk, let's talk about the damage of the wrong pursuit. 
we have a parable in Matthew 13. I, I love this parable that Jesus tells, namely because He explains it. And there's so many parables that Jesus just leaves it like a mic drop and you're like left to try and figure it out. And then, you know, theologians kind of argue over it for, you know, for centuries since. But this one, He explains and I'm so grateful that He does. And so this is Matthew 13 and it's the parable of the sower. And I think we might be able to pull a couple of truths to help us out of this tonight. I'll pick it up in verse 3 of chapter 13. And He told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And he says, he who has ears, <laughs> let him hear. I don't know about you, I find that funny because everyone's got ears, right? But are they hearing it? Are they letting it sink? Are they letting that weight of what He's saying sink in? You see, because there are four types of soils mentioned, but only one of them is going to receive the Word and let it develop and, and, and grow and germinate and, and, and bear fruit, fruit that would last. And then these other three soils that are scary but true and they exist today. Let's talk about the explanation that Jesus has for us. Matthew 13, verse 18 to 23 says this, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the Word of the Kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the Word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the Word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the Word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the Word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the Word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. What a powerful parable relating to our hearts and the pursuit of our hearts. So let's look at the rocky soil. It says here about the rocky soil, yet he had no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the Word, immediately he falls away. Let me tell you that the Christian life is not exempt of suffering, but God promises it. God promises it. The thing, even Jesus Himself, if you read Hebrews 5 verse 8, says this, Although He, Jesus, was a son, He learnt obedience through what He suffered. I think we can be sold a lie to think that anything that would challenge the pursuit of our happiness, we need to exit, we need to move away from. If that thing's going to stop me from my happiness, I need to abort, pull the cord and get out of here. Maybe, just maybe, that God is wanting to do something through that persecution, through that tribulation, through that trial. You see, this is the thing. God is more interested in your holiness 
than He is necessarily about your happiness. Now, God is not a joy germ. He's not trying to rob you of joy. He doesn't want you to just suck lemons through life. That's not His his MO, but I'm telling you something, He's got something far more important upon your life. And you see, the holiness trail leads you to greater joy. It leads you to greater joy. But it comes through trials. And you see, the pursuit of happiness would say, that trial is robbing you of, of what you want. Abort. But God's saying, don't abort, don't jump out of the boat. Stay in the boat. I'm with you in the boat. I'm gonna get you through the storm to the other side. Come on, you need to get to the other side. I'm calling you to the other side, my friend. Sometimes we jump out. You see, even when he, he preached this great message, the Sermon on the Mountain in Matthew 5, he's talking about the Beatitudes. Come on, shout out to Equip in the Hut. They're studying the Beatitudes at the moment. Shekinah at the back, leading a great, doing a great job with uh, Equip in the Hut. And Bethany with Equip in the City, so stoked for what's going on in that collective. Find out more on the back table, another plug. But this is the Beatitudes, right? Matthew 5, Jesus says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. (laughs) Through what? Where am I? Persecuted you and uttered all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Had that happened this week? Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. So So they persecuted the prophets before you. Come on, what he's saying is when you walk with me and when you walk the narrow path that I'm calling you to walk, there's gonna be trial, there's gonna be struggle. There's gonna, you might lose some friends. You might come up against a, a whole, and right now I'll tell you, the voice of Christianity is getting really small. We're getting marginalised, we're getting ostracised and, and there's, a, there's, there's pressure to bend, to pressure to relent, pressure to uh, all sorts of stuff. But God is calling us to keep loving and keep standing for truth. Keep loving and keep standing for truth. Come on, I'm telling you, He will allow, God will allow situations that will affect your temporary happiness for a greater outcome. A greater outcome, faith, character. Come on, humility. Oh my gosh, look, what else? Patience, peace. God wants to develop in you a character to sustain the call He's got on your life. And I don't know anyone that's been to the gym, um, worked out, but look, you cannot build muscle without tearing it. You just can't. The way that you build muscle is you tear it and it grows back stronger. And so God is wanting to position you to bring you to a place to to, to be able to handle the call on your life, the purpose of God on your life. And I'm telling you something, that is your best life. It is. And so what happens is the world and these, 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 these things that want to steal or take our attention, our affection, want to remove or, or, or take you from the pursuit that would actually lead you to life like a carrot in front of the donkey. You never get there. So I'm telling you, God wants to snip the carrot today and turn your attention to Him. I'm on this triumph coming through the trial. There is growth in the graft and there is purpose in the pain. The brother of Jesus, James, he says it like this, just as James 1 verses two to four, count it all joy. (laughs) My brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Can I tell you, 
that we're in a generation right now that's ch- that one of the challenges of this generation is steadfastness. Can I tell you one of the, one of the characters and the hallmarks of consecration, of holiness, and one of the, God's favourite characteristics is faithfulness, consistency, fidelity, staying the course. And so God will bring trials into your life so that it will produce in you steadfastness, immovability, that the house will be built upon the rock, that when the storms of life will come, you would not be shaken, that you would stand and the storm will come and storm will go and you would remain. And so God wants to build in you a character to sustain you, to sustain you. Count it all joy. We'll come back to that. Let's talk about the other soil, the thorns. It says, But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the Word and it proved unfruitful. It's interesting that if we carried on reading James, after he talks about counting it all joy and we go down a few verses, he says this, this is verse 11. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. I feel like right now there are people that can feel that right now. It's like the sun of life has risen in the scorching heat. We're feeling maybe a bit withered. Come on, there's hope for you tonight. Come on, the rain of heaven is coming tonight. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Now come on, (laughs) riches aren't a problem. Wealth is not anti-gospel. The gospel is not anti-wealth, anti-success, anti-money. But I'm telling you something, the pursuit of riches above all is a problem, Jesus would say. You can't serve two gods. You can only have one, yeah? In fact, Proverbs says that you, know, you put your trust in riches and they'll, they'll grow wings, sprout and fly away. <laughs> That's what Proverbs says. So the attempt to find happiness and fulfilment and purpose through the acquisition of wealth is fleeting and futile. Now God, like I said, is not, but He's saying, seek me and let me add these things to your life. So can we talk about happiness versus joy? Let's talk about that. So I'm saying that the pursuit of happiness should not be the pursuit, but the pursuit of God. And there's a reason for that. Because job, because job, <laughs> because God wants to build in you a heart of unshakable joy. Happiness is external. It's based on situations, events, people, places, things and thoughts. Happiness is connected to your hope for a relationship or your hope for a future with someone or your hope to lose weight or get that promotion or buy that house or have that family. Happiness is linked to someday when. Happiness is future orientated and it puts all its eggs in something or someone else's basket. It is dependent on outside situations, people or events to align with your expectations so that the end result is your happiness. If those expectations weren't realised, then your happiness was crushed. Unhappiness is the result. Happiness is not joy because joy is not external. It cannot be bought and is not conditional on someone else's behaviour. In fact, joy is not contingent on anything in order to exist. 
Joy comes when you make peace with who you are, where you are, why you are, and who you are not with. When you need nothing more than the truth and the love of a good God to bring peace, then you have settled into the abiding joy that is not rocked by relationships. It's not rocked by anything. Come on, God is wanting to build in you an unshakable, unquenchable, untouchable joy. <laughs> and you see, that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And I love that the Apostle Paul says this. He says, to live is gain and to die is Christ. Or to live is Christ and to die is gain. How could someone say that to die is gain? If only in death we get something so much greater than what this life can offer. And we do in Jesus Christ. When we die, we get Him. We get Him in His fullness. Paul says it like right now, it's like looking into a mirror dimly, but then we'll know fully. And so on the other side of death is gain. Well, what about right, about right now? Right now. Hmm. You see, God is not the enemy of your plans. He's the creator of them. And Jeremiah, and this is our coffee cup verse, our bumper sticker verse. Jeremiah 29. Come on, Jeremiah 29, 11. Tonight we're gonna go all the way to 13, people. We're stretching it out. Might need a bigger bumper. But here we go. This is it. This is Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. Listen to this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It's a declaration. Come on. I know the plans I have for you. Trust me. Can you trust me with your tomorrow? Can you trust me through the trial? I'll tell you in my own journey this week. In the last couple of days, it's kind of like flipped because I've just in message prep and stuff. I'm like, God, I need your perspective because we've had a crazy couple of weeks. We've shifted house with a sick family. We've got five kids. Six of us went down with a vomiting bug. The car decided to not work anymore. It's got a thousand dollar bill to get that fixed. Then our youngest son, our two year old, went into hospital with acute pain. You know, we just were like running on fumes. And I was, I guess in my heart going, where are you in all this God? But you know, when you say, where are you all in this God? But you're not really asking, you're not really seeking, you're just kind of having a bit of a moan. <laughs> like this shouldn't be happening to me. It's not fair, my little temper tantrum, you know, it's not fair. But then I realised, actually, God didn't say oops this week. God's not looking down on me and going, oh shoot, I didn't mean for that all to happen. And sorry, buddy, I, I, you know, he didn't, I should have, no, He knew, God knew. And if God knew and God's okay and He's with me, what are you wanting to teach me, God? What in this do I need to understand? Maybe. Maybe, maybe am I am I running too hard? Am I am I do I need to find rest? What is it that you wanted to teach me? You see, because I'm telling you, the teaching always comes in the trial. Solomon, wisest man to live, said this: I'd rather be at a funeral than at a party, because at a funeral I will self-reflect. It'll make me think deeply of the things of life, but at a party I'll be carefree. Something's happened in trials where God does some work. 
So maybe, just maybe, the pursuit of happiness shouldn't be the goal, but the pursuit of God should be the goal. And ask Him, just ask Him, what are you doing in this situation? What do you want to teach me? What do I need to see? Give me your perspective. Give me your perspective. Maybe, just maybe, He's wanting to align something in our heart. Do some work, readjust some things in our life. Maybe, just maybe, this is the wake-up call we needed. And therefore, isn't that a blessing? God is all love. He is all loving. And everything He's doing in our world is to lead us to life. Everything. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, for good and and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Are you full of hope tonight? God wants you to be full of hope. That He has your future in in His hands. And He looks and He says, it's good. And you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you pursue me, you will be richly rewarded with what you really desire. I call this the direction of devotion because I think we love this verse because we we love the God knows the plans. We want plans. We want purpose. We want to know the calling, the direction. Come on, we want to know. And then we get really wrapped up in that. But you see, the key to plans and the key to purpose is this. Seek God with all your heart. See, He's calling for devotion. Sometimes we want direction, but God is calling us to devotion. Come close. Let me in. Let me satisfy you. Let me pour my love upon you and let me whisper to you the the plans I have for you. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Let me walk you into acres of hope, He says in Hosea. Seek God, find purpose. eh? Psalm 37 verse 4. We're ending here. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. He will provide for you what you desire the most. Let me say that again. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. And He will provide for you what you desire the most. Jesus says it this way, seek first my kingdom and I'll add everything to you. I know the plans. I know your heart's desire. And guess who can actually bring them to pass? Creator and sustainer of all things. Trust me. Come on, what was purchased for us at the cross, and we're going to celebrate that tonight. Remember that tonight around communion. Yes, it was purchased for us, the forgiveness of sins. Yes, God paid for every one of our trespasses, past, present, and future. That happened in His blood. For those that would believe in Him, forgiveness of sins, yes. Eternal life, yes. But there's a reason why He paid for your sins, so that you could step back into relationship with Him. So you can come close again. David's heart's desire, and let me tell you something about Psalm 27. David was pressed in. David had people out for his life. David had enemies. David was in a tough spot. He's crying out to God. And in that moment, He says, there's one thing I crave, your presence. 
to be so close to you, to see your face, to see you, to know you, to hear your voice above all things. And that came out of a trial. Came out of a trial. So tonight, we're going to come around the communion table. And I want you, I, want to, I just want to ask you to ponder the pursuit of God in your life. What are the things that we're pursuing? Because I just wonder, I just wonder what would it look like? And what could, what could this church, if it was filled with passionate people in love with Jesus, what could we do? What could we do? We could change the city if we would just pursue God with all of our hearts. What could we do? What could we do? I know what 11 guys did. They turned the world upside down. I believe we can do the same. 